And it's time, everybody. Welcome to the big leagues. As we start a hell of a beginning tonight, I'd like to introduce the Diamond Blades podcast. While myself, Adam Naz, will be joined by sports radio host, Shukri Wright's here. How we doing, pal? Shukri is in the house, and I am distracted already. Is that a cutie at the front of a magazine? What is that? Oh, yeah. Cap America. What what are the odds? We're starting a podcast and the, all of a sudden you, you see I see a, a, a cute blonde wearing a cap and I can't even read it because the letters are el- eligible um, based on how it's positioned. But goodness grief, but I am great, man. I finally had me some pizza and some wings before the show because I refuse to do the show hangry. Okay. I'm fired up, man. Let's do this. Let's how, how are you doing? I'm having, I'm having a great time, man. Been a long day, you know, long day at work. Just looking excited to do this stuff. Uh, you know, we're gonna be shooting the breeze about socks and bees, along yeah. with you know what's going on the hot, the hottest uh, takes in baseball and hockey. Sure. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Hedge Better, you know, LLC, the everything that's going on here. Appreciate you, Justin, for making this happen. Um, yeah. So tell us about you, Shukri. What, what's going on? About me it depends. Well, if you're asking in terms of my broadcasting uh, yeah. a- acumen. Or in terms of my personality, personality, I'm I'm pretty intense, I'm pretty passionate. Um, but broadcasting, I would say I am a sports radio host. Have been in this market for uh, for about three years now. Uh, host my own radio show on 91.5 FM WMFO, 100.1 FM WBRS. I also do a national show or for Pacifica Radio Network, which is available on demand on iHeartRadio. And uh, in that show is actually going to be restarting up um, soon. Took a bit of a hiatus, and I also host my own uh, podcast called the Sugar Race Podcast on iHeartRadio and Odyssey. You can watch it on YouTube, in which I talk to some of the big names in the industry. Uh, most recently, I spoke with Keith McPherson of WFAN. Good stuff. I spoke with um, I'm trying to think who did I had on my last episode. Jeezy, what an idiot! I have such a short term memory. I have Beetle, Mark Bertrand. How Ooh. do I how do I forget my own damn I guess? Like that, seriously, that's a Quincy Mask guy. Like yeah, yeah. Qu- he's a Quincy man. Ha- yeah. Had him on the podcast. Um, there you go. So so like I'm I'm pretty uh, well versed and experienced in the industry, podcasting, radio, national and local as well. So that is about me professionally, me personally. I am here to get you thinking, entertain you. Absolutely, gotta find ways to like liven things up because part of my personality is that I am a big believer in engaging the people who you talk to, you know, who you have interactions with, and and not being afraid to be yourself. So that's basically about me in a nutshell. Tell me about yourself, man. Like, so I got. I, I, I sound right like here. a narcissist over here. Like, what the hell? Straight out, of, <laughs> straight out of Quincy, Massachusetts. Host the Steel and Naz podcast. Yeah. If you haven't heard of it. Um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, you know, going to college through, you know, sports internships, working at newspapers and TV stations. Uh, and you know what? I, I wanted to take a step further of, you know, doing my own thing because I've told you, you can work as hard as you want. But if you don't bring your own creativity, yeah. you know, nothing's going to be accomplished. So coming in here, I feel like at least myself, I'm a very passionate person where whether you see me in the booth, whether you see me at my job or you see me on the softball field, I'm sure pe- people stress out seeing that too. I like screaming at umpires and shit like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to keep it real on you for this podcast. I have a big baseball background guy right next to me. 
knows all about hockey, knows all about baseball. I played hockey too, kind of a third line grinder in high school, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna bring you hell every episode on here. Whether you know we're we're debating about was Tuca Rest the greatest Bruins goaltender of all time? Does Bruce Cassidy suck? Um, we're gonna we're gonna have some high debates here, and also I want to introduce at the end of every show we'll have the power play round. Um, the name originated from Shukri. I'll give you that. I'll give you the props there. Uh, which will feature the hottest topic in any sport this week. There's a big game in L.A. as the Bengals take on the Rams in Super Bowl 56. So we'll have our takes on Super Bowl, and there's a bunch of stuff we'll get after you know this inaugural episode, and I couldn't be happier to do it with you, Shukri. I'm excited. I, I am like just calm right now because it just feels like it's gone by very, very slowly. This whole week has been dead. Yeah. Like, normally, by Wednesday, you're like... All right, let's go. I'm ready for this game. But this week has been like, it's been crickets. Yep, it's been slow. It's been very slow. And I I'm think like, it's already Friday. Like yeah. I'm thinking today's Friday, and I was like, no, it's Wednesday. It's like, really? I mean, Sunday can't get here fast enough. Like, come on, like let's go. But I'm fired up, man, for this game. It's gonna be a great. It's gonna be a great matchup this Sunday. For sure. Let's get into it. We were gonna get into the Bruins midseason awards, but we were talking right before this, and you know when. This breaking news, like what happened in the Bruins world today, you kind of, you know, throw out the script, let that shit burn. Basically. And uh, yeah, breaking news, Tuka Rask, the 15-year veteran on the Boston Bruins, has called it quits today, had had a bit of a, was it a hip injury and kind of couldn't survive it. I don't I don't know if it's, it's the coaches said that, you know, it's not going to work out or he was actually hurt. Um, yeah, Shooker, I'll give you the first word. Well... In in this situation, like he had surgery on his hip, and he had an injury that came from, that was from last season, mm -hmm. and he tried to battle his way back through rehab, and it just wasn't working out the way that he had hoped. And he talked about it in his statement today, in which that I'm going to read it to you in its entirety, which is still hard to believe that it is it that his career is essentially over. Now, for those of you that are listening to the podcast for the first time. Or for some reason, you're just catching wind of uh, of the news late. So this is the statement that was released by the Boston Bruins and Tukaras himself today. He said, quote, today is a day that I hope would never come. But now it's here. I feel I owe it to everyone to hear it from me. When I made the decision to have surgery on my hip last summer, I did so knowing that the road to recovery would be challenging. I also knew it would some that it was something I would have to do if I wanted to give myself a chance to play my best hockey again. The rehab, the workouts, the practices, all of it was with the intention of getting back to where I needed to be to help my teammates win games and make another run at a Stanley Cup. Over these last few weeks, I've realized that my body is not responding the way it needs to for me to play at the level I expect of myself and that my teammates and Bruin fans deserve. This is now part two of four. Yep. Therefore, it is with a heavy heart that I announce my retirement from the game of hockey. While I am sad to say goodbye to the game I know I love, I am so very thankful to have shared these last 15 years with the greatest teammates and fans in the best sports city in the world. We have shared so many special memories over the years, bringing the cup to Boston in 2011, our runs to the final in 2013 and 19, playing overseas in the Czech Republic, Northern Ireland, and China, and of course, the Winter Classics. I am also so thankful I was 
able to represent Finland on the world stage and win a bronze medal in the 2014 Olympics, part three or four. While these experiences were all incredible, what I will remember most about all of them is the bond I had with my teammates, coaches, and team staffs, the memories that we'll always have, and the friendships that will last a lifetime. Through all of the ups and downs, I am so grateful for all of the support this team and the people of Boston have given me. I will miss everything that comes with representing the Boston Bruins. But now, I am excited to spend more time with my family and friends who never stopped supporting my dream. Boston is so special for so many reasons and, and will always be our adopted home. We look forward to remaining a part of this amazing community. Last part, I especially want to thank the Jacobs family, Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, my coaches, the equipment staff, and the rest of the team support staff for all they have done for me throughout my time with the Boston Bruins organization. I've never wanted to play for any other team. I'm so proud to have won the Spoke B for my entire career and wouldn't have had it any other way. Boom. So right off of that statement, um, before I go off on you know a terrific 15-year career, I just want to say that yeah, it was probably the injury, but the fact that he, you know, had like probably four straight appearances of you know not playing well, I think that definitely had something to do with it. I'm sure the Sweeney or Cam Naley or even Bruce Cassidy himself came up to him. All right, we have two other options. We have a son of a gun, you know, warming up in Providence. We have a lot more options than you know having a half-ass. What I say, Tuka Rask. Yeah. But by saying that, I also want to say that Tuka Rask. I think in Bruins history is the best of all, like the best goalie of all time. Uh, you want to talk about a 308 wins, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, a goals against average for 2.28, and I know he didn't win a Stanley Cup, which is a goddamn shame. As a starter, but he did win as as a backup. Yeah, that doesn't count. I mean, yeah, I get that it doesn't count, but I mean, he's still on his resume. But yeah. we can debate that in another segment. But yeah. I will say, I will say this much in terms of Tuukka Rask. Yep. In terms of his injury, it really is a shame because if you think about Tim Thomas, for example, mm -hmm. how his career ended mm -hmm. in terms of like the, the injury he tried to come back from by the end of his career, he just wasn't a shell of himself. He he, he just wasn't he wasn't right. Yeah, the problem and, with Tim Thomas, I'm sorry to interrupt, but he, he was like 40, 41 years old. So when you get that old, it's kind of tough. And you, no one's Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Like especially yeah. especially in hockey. Yeah. But to take it a step further, I will say yeah. is that when you talk about hip injuries. Especially at 34, it's hard. It is hard because you need your hips to be at optimum strength in order to move from left to right, go to the position, and so forth. So I don't think he was supposed to out the door. I don't even think that really is the question because everyone who has been following the story knows that this was an injury that he said that he wanted to come back from and have the opportunity to play, and that he was willing to play for for basically cheap dirt money. Mm -hmm. And he did. Problem was, was that his performances were indicating that I don't think I don't think he's fully right. Yes, mm -hmm. he didn't play with Providence because the games that he was supposed to play and got canceled, canceled, yeah, because because of COVID. But at the same time, with with Tuka, he acknowledged that. Listen, I don't think I'm I'm going to be able to get back to the prime level or the optimal level that I've, I've been accustomed to for so long. So he said, you know what? I'm going to call it quits. Was it painful? Yes. But to take it from Tuka himself 
to a bigger picture view, you can't sit here and feel as a Bruins fan that this is not the end of an era. I mean, you talk about over the last, what, year and a half, almost, the departures, the Daniel Chara leaving, David Krejci leaving, and oh, then and, and, and also don't forget, I can't forget about Tory Krug as well, his free agent de- the departure, I mean, also as well, along with Chara. Yeah, exactly. But now, Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask, that's a big one. And I tweeted this out earlier today on, on Thursday that I said it wouldn't shock me if Patrice Bergeron, in fact, calls it quits at the end of this season. And the responses on Twitter really speaks for themselves. But over overwhelming a majority were like, I can't take this idea, shoe. Please, like, I, like no way. But, <laughs> but this is where we are. Like, yeah. I mean, you, we've seen the guys who were part of 2011 leave. We've seen oh. guys that were part of the last Cup final run three years ago leave. And I think that this news really is a kind of like a gut punch. Yeah, on on Tuka Rask, it, the question, the thing that I get in my head, and when I think about you know him calling it quits right away, is what if he was playing well? What if they were winning games? What if he didn't let up a lot of goals, but it was still hurting? I guarantee he'd still be playing. So the fact that they were losing, I think that kind of made, I think that kind of made you know his choice easier to you know call it quits. And on your point of you know the Bruins. Um, you know, winding down here in this era, I still like obviously Brad Marchand still has a lot of hockey to play. Not, not in the next five, ten games, but it's still a lot to play. Yeah. Uh, Patrice Bergeron getting, you know, having concu- uh, concussion here. That that kid reminded me of you know Mark Savard. Un- unfortunately, what happened to his career. But you know, this is like the second time this has happened, and you know he hit his head pretty bad last night. He's on year nineteen. I don't know how much more he wants to play. I, I know hockey players, you know, can play well into their forties, especially a guy like that who you know has. Played Played well for so long. He's 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 up for is it the it's not the Con Smith. No, it? no, for the Selkie. For the Selkie. But I wouldn't yeah. compare Bergeron's career to Mark Savard because Mark Savard's injury um, injury history is literally littered with concussions. Okay. Bergeron had that one nasty concussion during the 2007-2008 season. I mean, all Bruin fans remember yeah. uh, what I'm talking about. But in terms of the head injury that he sustained last night against the the Penguins in their in their loss to the Penguins. I just can't help but to think, with everything that's going on surrounding the team, in the future, in the direction of where this team is heading, I can kind of see the the writing being on the wall for Patrice Bergeron in terms of his career as a Bruin. Is this potentially the end? I've been saying this, truthfully, since last summer of 2021, Mm -hmm. that it would not shock me in the slightest if if this season, 2021-2022, end up being the last season of his career. And so far, all of the little things yeah, have added up. Right. You go go back to All-Star Weekend. He had his entire family with them. Not that it was something out of the ordinary, but when you hear him at, at his press conference, you can hear him talking about, wow, like, you know, like, just, just reflecting, kind of Re- like reflecting. in that, yeah. uh, not, almost in a melancholy way, in, 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 a, in a sense. So, so Other times coming. I, yeah. I, w- I will say, one, like, I would be very surprised because he, he's played he's played in the NHL since he's, like, 17 years old. 18, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, whatever it was. But um, for me, if if it's an injury that, you know, keeps him away, I, I don't think the passion of the game of hockey is going to keep him away. Yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be a Tuka Rask thing where, you know, over the summer he's thinking about, you know, did I get a much – 
Did I get enough out of this game to where I can, you know, look back and that even as a fan, even looking at him, it, it's a hundred percent yes. You 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 look at a guy. I, I compare at I I compare I guess his career mm-hmm. just the longevity wise. I know Tom Brady played twenty two seasons, but Tom Brady this year was like okay. Um, you know, I've played enough. I can look back. I'm the greatest player of all time. Obviously, Patrice Bergeron isn't the greatest NHL player of all time, but I think he's had a good enough career, a Hall of Fame career. He's going to no get doubt. his number retired by the Bruins. Best defensive uh, yeah. forward in NHL history. NHL history. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think you have a great case of, you know, if he looked back and was like, okay, this is the last season, this is it, I would be shocked. Don't get me wrong. I would be shocked, but, you know, in terms of, Oh, like he had one more year in him. Not, I'm, I'm not necessarily on that, on that movement. You know, yeah. I think part of, part of me as a fan does not want him to finish. But Father Time hits everybody, mm-hmm. even Tom Brady. Like we're still, in a way, trying to pick up the pieces. Like, yo, he really is like done. But although his comments in the Jim Gray um, podcast, him saying never say never. Indicate that he might be considering making a return at some yeah, point, I don't but agree, but, yeah. but yeah. that one that's that's neither here or there. But the reality is, every legend has his day where they have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And Tukarask, as much as I've been critical of him, as much as I have criticized him in terms of his inability to come up big when the team needs him most, I just I do believe that yes, he statistically. He is the greatest Bruins goaltender of all time. But at the same time, I will also say that Tuka Rass ultimately will go down as one of the most underappreciated athletes in Boston sports history. It's not and even close. I don't I, I don't think that's I don't think that's hyperbole to even no. uh, admit that on a podcast. No, there's there's a whole fan club of Tuka Rask haters. And oh I'll, yeah. I'll never understand why. He if it was not for him, they wouldn't have even gotten to the Stanley Cup in was it twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen and twenty. You can uh, in thirteen, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's a he's a big foundation of how this team, to your point, hasn't crumbled yet. And the crumbling's coming and you said the right the writing's on the wall. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Tukarask is a big reason why this, you know, core stayed together. And even to the point of having the best first line in the league um uh, in the league yeah. that stayed together for so long because of the production that you had in the goaltending position. I mean part uh, well, well part of it was yeah. the reason why the first line stayed together was because of the offensive production you were getting from Bergeron and Marshall and Pasnak who developed into being one of the best scoring wingers in the league. In the league. Now like with that with the perfection line being broken up and and Pasnak playing on that second line mm. along with Eric Haller and and, uh, and Taylor Hall uh-huh. That has now shown me that if you're talking about the top line being what it was and and still being effective, even with Craig Smith being on that top line, you got to give credit to the greatness of Patrice Bergeron. But in terms of Tuca, there have been times. You got to go back as recently. I want to solely focus on 2019 specifically. Mm -hmm. Tuca Rask has shown time and time again that during that during that cup final run in 2019 starting with the series against Toronto his ability to stand on his own head he came up huge in that game 7 against Toronto huge and in that series against Columbus in a series that the Bruins won in 6 games Tuca came up huge in games 4 and 5 that, especially in game five. That was a goal fast cuz it really was yeah it was incredible yeah they like, swept um 
was it they swept the Lightning in the series before? I think no. They you talk what well, you talking about um Columbus? I, they, I they, about they, Columbus. They yeah, swept they they, they, they swept Tampa Bay, which, which was before. all goaltending. I think they yeah. get outshot every game. But, yeah. but but to your point exactly of Tuka Rask, you know, stepping up there in the moments they need the the most. Yeah. I even think that there were comments after that season of like you don't want to face that like because the. There's a bunch of haters of Tuka Rask. Sure. I, I mentioned that. I'll mention that. I'll keep doing it. But, you know, there's even comments from, you know, opposing players saying, yeah, you don't want to face that guy in a big game. I Even the um, the meltdown in Game 7 against the Blues, it was all their fault. It wasn't – That wasn't yeah, – that, that wasn't was – that, that was the one on finals Tuka. that I, I did not put on Tuka whatsoever. Yeah. Consistently on radio, whether it be on social media, I never once blamed Tuka for 2019. Yeah. You got to Game 7 because of Tuka. Yeah. Time and time and time again. But if you want to go back to 2013, yeah, I'll give you that. Two goals in 17 seconds. I mean, that, that's like the black hole that's, that's been seared into the memory of Bruin fans. But today, I'm not going to nitpick and pick faults at Tuca. We got between now and the end of the season, like not now, but obviously like next week on until the end of the season to talk about what will the legacy of Tuca Rass ultimately be. It- in my take on the 2013, just a little thing here. I don't think it was any of us, any thing of the Bruins blowing it. I think the Chicago just came out there and took they, it. They were the better they team. They just went out there and took it. Like they yeah. were, they were truly the better team. And mm-hmm. we could sit here and, and argue about revisionist history, mm-hmm. but the reality is, when I look back on on that 2013 Cup final, mm-hmm. Chicago was an all time great team. Like you talk about the talent level that they have, they were actually more talented than the Bruins. But oh, the but the Bruins, sure. they still had the grit from 2011. Like they still had the guys, like the 17 of the of the 20 players that played that, that, on, that, on that 2013 team. They yeah. played, they played, they were on that 2011 yeah, team that won it all. Team Sean Thornton, you know, yeah, you know, Sean the Thornton, Ke- Lucic, Chris Kelly, obviously yeah. the captain, Sedano Chara, Berge, Marshan. At this point, like he was still coming into his own as a player, but. You look back at 2013, I don't put that on like so, as so much as the fact that Chicago was a better team, but I mean, but let's be honest. I wouldn't put entirely game six on Tuka. Claude Julians also deserves blame for that loss because after Chicago tied it, it behooved me like as to why the hell did Claude Julian did not call it call a timeout. He called a timeout after it was three two to, after three two Blackhawks, but not when it was tied, because at that point the Bruins were still playing on their heels, collectively shocked that they were a minute and seventeen seconds away from going to another game seven. Uh, I, I just want to get off the topic. It just it just seems like David Tyree. It just seems seems like something like that. Yeah. Uh, except <laughs> David Tyree's worse. Yeah, no, because because, because that because, because that was the one that really ripped your balls and just threw it to the oh, to the wilderness for sure. So now we're we're moving on from yeah Tuka Rask. There's a uh, you know a hell of a I think goaltending uh, battle to be played out so far from the season. You know you see. Um, Linus Allmark, who they signed in the offseason, and then Jeremy Swayman, who got knocked down because Tuca came in. Now coming back, played played okay last night. I think there was one little questionable goal, but but otherwise, like there was a bunch of goals that you know he wasn't responsible for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll I'll bring it to you first. I'll I'll give you a but. Who who do you like going forward? Who do you think can make a real impact on this team? Because in order to make do anything in the playoffs, this team's gonna have to have phenomenal goaltending. Right now, that's tough because I really have a hard time putting all my eggs into the basket of Linus Olmark. Yeah, yeah. And Swayman has clearly showed me that he's not ready. 
Yeah. He's he's truly not ready. He's one six and one with a nine hundred save percentage against elite teams, against playoff caliber oh, that's teams. Not nah. That's not good at all. No. And if and if you're a Bruins fan, that actually should worry you to death because with the trade deadline coming up, your options are very thin at goaltending. Mm-hmm. Rask is out of the picture, so you're now left with Swayman and Olmark. This is where Bruce Cassidy, if there was one thing that I did agree with him on, and that was you need more from Swaymark at this point. You do uh, for Swayman, excuse yeah. me. Like you need more from Swayman. You need him to be to step up in, in these games. Like, for example, tomorrow night I believe we got what Carolina, right? Yeah, Carolina. We got big, Carolina. We, we got Carol- smoked by them last time and right. And yeah. right. Yeah. And you need a big performance because yeah. For the psyche of the team moving forward, you need to be able to say, hey, you know what? He can compete well against playoff caliber teams. Yeah, for Swainman, I think it just comes down to reps. I don't think he's gotten enough reps this season no, he, where he no. can break it out. I think if you just let like let it loose with him, you play him two out of three games every time. I know they're going to go back and forth. I don't know who's got the net tomorrow night. But, you know, Linus Allmark, you signed him for that much. It kind of got screwed itself because if he didn't have that big of a um, contract, if if he was kind of like the same money that Jeremy Swayman was making, who knows what yeah. he got down in Providence when Tuca came up. For sure. So I think, you know, I, I, I'm not big on Allmark at all. I think it was, a, it was a horrible contract. It was kind of a waste of money. But now you kind of have – um, two guys who are probably very, very well represented as backups, but can any of them make the big stride to be, you know, the starting goaltender? Yeah, we, we talked about the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals, and you know that uh, the Blues had a rookie goaltender in um, Jordan Bennington who really came around and you know got the job done for that team. Now, can Jeremy Swayman? I'm not saying Stanley Cup or anything for the Bruins this year, but if he does half that, th- this team can win a playoff series. I don't see why they couldn't. You know, you're- but that's as far as it goes. Like yeah. they'll they'll win a series, mm-hmm. but any idea or or fantasy of well, maybe they can go in a deep playoff run. Yeah, okay, you can basically kiss that kiss that goodbye into the Charles River. Like that's not going to happen. Nah. But the way that this team is currently constructed, I do have my doubts. But my biggest area of concern is, in fact, goaltending for this team moving forward. Yeah, and it's not just because of the fact that Tuca retired. And that's a hint that that's just a grocery list of the problems for this team. You know, from, from what I've seen all season, from what I've even seen in past years, yeah, that the, the toughest thing for them has been secondary scoring. It's been which, a- which which have gotten more of what, which is why like I'm not as concerned as I once was before in terms of secondary scoring because they've gotten that from the second line. They've gotten that from the third line. And if, like the fourth line has done its job, but, but... I'm sorry, but my problem for it is they had to move Pasternak down to the second which line. Which was the right move. No, it was definitely the right move, but now it hurts you because that first line with them three is just dynamite. So now that you kind of even it out, I get that is the move, but now you're getting secondary scoring from a guy who's not secondary. You get it. He's, no, you know he's a second. It's a second line player who easily could be playing on your top line. But at the same time, there's a reason why you put Pasternak on that second line with, along with Eric Halla and Taylor Hall, and that is because their games complement each other. You saw that, especially like towards the end of January, where like when they were rolling, that this was a team that was that this was this was a line that was playing a north south game that like that can you know like you get to the net. Taylor Hall, most notably, but also don't forget. Craig Smith playing alongside with Bergeron and Marshan end up working wonders because this is a guy who who can score you 20 goals but also has the ability to, to complement the games of Bergeron and Marshan. So it's not a bad thing that, that Postak's playing on that second line. It's actually a good thing in terms of balance. But now if you were to ask me, 
will this work in a playoff series in the best of seven against a team like Toronto or a team like against Florida or a team against like Tampa Bay or even the Pittsburgh Penguins who the Bruins played on Wednesday night? That's a whole different question. Now, that's a different conversation altogether. But as of right now, I think the Bruins scoring, the secondary scoring, they have been, they, they were, they've been able to figure that out. But could they use the second line center? Yes, they could. I agree with that. I'm just saying, you know, you put Craig, you're going to put all your chips into Craig Smith on the first line and being able, obviously not going to contribute the way David Pasternak did on that first line. I get that. But sure. to even get half of that of, you know, scoring or even, you know, being in the play, I think. If you if you look at the game, it's just Bergeron and Marchand bouncing back and forth. I haven't seen Craig Smith, you know, really do that much. If you're going to put a guy out there on first line, he's got to be gritty and willing to work with those two. And I haven't seen too much production from Craig Smith this year. Mm. I, I know Pas- like Pasternak and Taylor Hall on the same line. That's a lights out. I, I get that. But I'm saying you're not going to get as much as production on that first line that you have in the past when you've lowered to three. I also know the expectations of, you know, putting Pasternak as opposed to putting Craig Smith on the first line there. My point of you got you get you're getting secondary scoring now but it, but the primary now it goes down so the secondary is so the primary was here and the secondary was here so now it's kind of going down it, like it, that. It, it, it evens itself, it out. Evens yeah. itself out which is not necessarily always a good thing because y- you look at the whole league in the past probably four years the pro- the the best line in all of hockey it, it's not even a question it was 88, 37, and 63 there. But now you kind of move it down. And, yeah, you do even everything out. But to my point exactly, you kind of move things. You're, you're, you're literally evening things out. But now, like, in terms of the best line in hockey, yeah. that distinction belongs um, to the Colorado Avalanche. You talk about the line that they have with uh, with McKinning and um, Rantanen and as well as uh, Gabriel Landeskog. When, when they're all healthy, that that right now is the best line in hockey. We'll, we'll see what they do in postseason, but I agree. I mean, so the same, same can be said yeah. for the Bruins, but, yeah. but, you're, but you're right about in terms of let's wait and see what the Colorado Avalanche do in the postseason because yeah. they have gotten to the postseason. They have been one of the pre- premier teams in the NHL over the last three seasons. Best defenseman but in hockey. But they you, you have not up. been able to do anything in the postseason, and that's why I believe that the Colorado Avalanche, for as an example – they put the chips in the table for this season mm-hmm. because, listen, they've gotten to the playoffs. And I remember listening to an interview that was done by, um, by, by Sportsnet like, back, right before the season began. It was during the NHL's media tour. Now that I remember it all fully, it was between Jeff Merrick, Elliot, Head, Elliot Freeman of Hockey Night in Canada, yep. and Nathan McKinnon. They were talking about the avalanche. And the thing that stood out to me in listening to that interview was was that McKinnon was like, listen, we know that we have a good team. We have a cup contending team. The problem is that when we get to the second round, for whatever reason, things are falling apart. Go see the series against Vegas last year in the second round. Yeah. How they raced out to a two games to none lead and things literally fell apart. Nathan McKinnon's such a gamer, dude. He like and a game changer. He, yeah, yeah, he's the type of guy you see in an interview, and he just like his balls to the walls. Like I, I all I want to do is win. I really don't care about scoring or anything like that. Yeah. So I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for Nathan McKinnon. Uh, on the Bruins side, we're gonna do some midseason awards, but you know the Bruins game last night kind of went to it. Um, I'm gonna go with my team MVP, which will kind of lean into last night. I think it's without a, a doubt Brad Marchand probably should have represented the whatever Atlantic no that's that's um 
Yeah, the Atlanta. basketball. Yeah, it's Atlantic. Okay, mm-hmm. so he probably should have been the All Star game. Uh, he's he's been buzzing. Uh, you know, getting on the point sheet wise, but last night was kind of a step back for him. Uh, let his anger get the best of him after taking a two nothing lead. They let up the next three goals, and what would he punch? <laughs> he punched. <laughs> he punched the. You punched Tristan Jerry. Like no, not not punched him, but he took his hockey stick and said, "Hey." Basically, give him the five fingers with yeah. step, step with his hockey stick instead to the side of the head. He, L- listen, if there's one thing that we know about George Powers and the NHL players, player of safety, they're so inconsistent. But in this case, I actually expect them to throw the book at Brad Marchand. Oh, for sure. Like, no question. And I wouldn't be upset one bit if that happened. Because what he did in terms of the punch, no, it was absolutely inexcusable. But what he did towards the end of the game, come on. He looked like a kid in a garner. Like he he's a repeated offender. I yeah. th- I think he I think getting ten games like is not out of the question. I think it's going to be in between five to ten. Yeah. I did think it was absolutely hysterical though when that, was it the Penguins guy tried giving the the puck in the stands and Marshawn just oh, yeah that, that was Tristan Jarrett. He, yeah. he tried he tried to do it and then like Marshawn said yeah yeah get out of here what you so, doing with that man yeah that was so like, <laughs> that was so like bush league like i started dying laughing that was that was nuts but but for him he's yeah. he's been the tail tail of the tape big shout out there but of this team for the last you know couple years now i know pastor next had a lot of goals i know you know bergeron is the captain of this team now but yeah. marshawn's another guy that you know at the end of the day 63 is going to be up in the rafters along with 37 and who knows you know 88's got a long way to go but he'll he'll most likely be there too for sure uh, i got a lot of appreciation for brad marshawn you know it seems like uh you know um the tough thing that happened with um one of the Hayes brothers. It's um, oh, J- Jimmy Hayes. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a there was a quote that like he was like visiting the Hayes family and things like that. So as much as he's a hothead on the ice, I, I think people need to take a step back and 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 realize you know how yeah. great of a guy this is, not just the hockey player itself, but overall. Yeah, that's my team MVP. Who's your team MVP? You right there or my yeah. my team MVP so far for the Bruins? Man, I I gotta I really. I really gotta go with Bergeron because he's been the guy that's been who has really steadied the ship, especially at times um, early this season when the Bruins were really struggling to try to like get uh, find their footing and so forth. In the first half of twenty of the two thousand twenty one twenty two season, where I mean, I'm sure Bruin fans do not want to remember pre New Year's Day. Oh boy! But <laughs> um, but like, but he was that guy that really just kept things afloat and. And and like there was a reason why he was like named an All Star again this season, and I just think that if I'm gonna look at overall what he's been able to do production wise and as well as defensively on a on a nightly basis, he's got to be the MVP of the team. He's got to be a hell of an ox in the locker room too, you know, keeping the guys together. I mean, you had a tough loss the other night. I know he was knocked out, so he probably didn't even say yeah. anything. But most of those losses, like we even talked about the Hurricanes loss a couple of weeks ago, it's about sticking together, man. It's an 82 game season plus playoffs. Even you look at the playoff race right now, they're they're like over ten points ahead of the team below them with games in hand. So, oh, yeah. so I, I mean, I'm not gonna jinx them right now, but you know, the playoff spot, playoffs seem pretty likely, pretty likely for the Bruins this year. So, um, it's all about just staying together because once you get in the playoffs, I, I know you know winning a, a round in the playoffs is a reasonable expectation. But yeah. you look at the Montreal Canadiens last year; they messed around and made the Stanley Cup. <laughs> they so. just fired their their head coach uh, Duke Ducharme, and they got Martin St. Louis. Which stunned, yeah. which is which is stunning because yeah. Marty St. Louis, I I'm actually a huge fan of his. Like going back to 
when he was a Tampa Lightning, and even I followed him the last couple of years of his career when he played with the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Loved him, absolutely loved him. But the hiring shocked me because this guy, like this guy, did not does not have any head coaching ex- experience. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would be fair to use that as like a baseline. When you talk about guys like Rod Brindamore, who who's the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, killing it, like uh, who's who's killing it, who who doesn't have any head coach head coaching experience, he was an assistant, yeah, but there is a difference. Like in basketball, like a Steve Nash guy, just went right into it, right? It's kind of a tough challenge, exactly. Um, especially for that team, you know, who has limited talent, who's who's at the bottom of the standings yeah. right now. Big fan of the Suzuki guy, and um, who's the guy from? Uh, he had a great year last year. He played for I think might have been UMass Lowell. Cam Carr? No no, 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 no. I'm thinking about somebody else. Um, no, I'm, I forget his name. Shoot, it's gonna kill me. Re, re, what, what re, rewind. Let, let me help you. Like try to one jog of their it. best players. Honestly, probably didn't. No, he didn't play for. He played up in uh, Wisconsin. Maybe uh, I'm not gonna get it. Uh, wait, Tim, does he play for now? Mo- I think Montreal. He he was a hell of a um, con- Cole Caulfield. Yeah, Cole Caulfield. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what college it was. It was probably up north or something like that. Mm. But he he's a tremendous talent for them in the future. But uh, yeah, you know, with Carey Price out, it, it, and then it, also it, don't forget it, the loss of Shea Weber. I mean, his career is essentially over. Yeah. with the injury that he had. So I mean, that's that's really a tough one. He had a great career too. Great yeah. great career in Nashville. Um, well, uh, we got we got our hockey half. We'll get into the baseball half. So. Baseball lockout update. The man fraud oh God. is, uh, that, you know, that man ruining makes, stuff. That man makes me fucking sick. It's do you, not ha- even do you have, like, an official update on lockdown? Because all I've read is, you know, he's going to come out with a with a presser or something, but they can't come to an agreement right now. So as of right now, as we do the recording on Wednesday evening, mm-hmm. there will be a press conference on Thursday morning with Commissioner Manfred. Now, there have been rumors of speculation floating around that spring training will be delayed and, like, basically the season will not start on time. Basically, if, if that is, in fact, true, the season's not going to start on time. Yeah. So, at this point in juncture, I'm just curious to see, like, what the announcement is going to be or if there's going to be anything else that comes along um, from Manfred himself in the press conference. So, that remains to be seen. But, I, but I'll be the first to tell you, I am thirsty as hell right now. And I'm not just only talking baseball, but I was that talking about chicks. Oh no 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 <laughs> no oh no 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 I can't I can't no I can't be thirsty for chicks. You oh, kidding me? Oh, I can't get you in trouble. After yeah, don't don't get me in trouble. Are <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me? No, no way. No way. No wow. no way, Jose. No I I am a taken man. Thank you. <laughs> but but no seriously. Um, in terms of the lockout, I am I am ready to completely put Manfred in the chokehold because. Man, I am I am thirsty for baseball so much so that last night I'm literally tweeting about the Yankees and about how I miss I miss Yankee baseball I miss the roar of Yankee Stadium I miss being at the ballpark like do not great. make me freaking snap because we're about to fucking lose games because Manfred wants to act like a complete sackless moron and a, and an ill-equipped leader like I'm trying to remain calm yep. It's just I'm, I'm really fun. annoyed. I'm just really annoyed. Like, I'm trying to remain peaceful, calm. But the the inner the inner beast was supposed to come out right now and just say, Manfred, your your sport is choking itself. Figure <laughs> it the hell out, please. For me, yeah, it's Manfred, Manfred, and just the son of a bitch. But uh, from 
the, uh, this whole lockout, it, you know, if spring training gets delayed and, you know, the games don't get – it's going to kill prospects' opportunity to make a big league roster out of the gate. Sure. So I, I think that's they, – they were killed over the pandemic. They were like minor league baseball was canceled. This this is honestly probably – unless it's it might affect the major leaguers with their paychecks, that that mm. will probably be one thing. But I, th- I don't think guys are going to be – Really too upset about playing. Maybe, hopefully, they actually play. But if they play 100, you know, 30 games over yeah. 162, mm-hmm. I'm sure the guys who are making 40 million dollars aren't going to be upset. But this is get this is tough for the little guys. This is tough for the guys who can make it. You know, out of a spring training roster, a guy who's looking underestimated. Um, so it's going to kill the little. It always does. at baseball kills the little guy. And all the guys who are you know paid, uh, you know, starting shortstop for the last seven years. I don't think they're going to be too hurt by this as long as it's it the guys go who have further. very little service time in the major yes, leagues. Exactly. That's going to be the most affected. And I, I, I want to see if I can pull up this tweet from from Max Scherzer because Max Scherzer really put this well. Uh, the other the other day, I, he, I know a lot of guys. In when the, he when he said we said something about. Yeah. Let me see. I can find here. It is. I found I found his Twitter page. Okay. On the on the filler, I know like a, a lot of minor leaguers who are gonna be hurt by this, like personally, and it sucks because these single A balls are not gonna start in time. And forget forget about that. There's no funds for them anyway. For sure. Yeah. So this is what he tweeted out. This was five days ago. Mm-hmm. We want a system where th- threshold and penalties don't function as caps. Allows younger players to realize more of their market value, make service time manipulation a thing of the past, and eliminate tanking as a winning strategy. That part about allowing younger players to realize more of their market value and make service time manipulation a thing of the past. You know how like top prospects would sometimes get called up mm-hmm. and then they'll get sent right back down? That's what he was talking about. Because I've noticed this in baseball for years where, for some reason, you have a guy like Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays. He'll get, called up for, for, he'll get called up for a week or two weeks. Suddenly, he's back down in AAA, down, down in Charlotte. Why? Like, oh, because, well, we, we got to manipulate the, the service time and so forth so we don't have to pay him that soon. Yeah. Like, I get that. I am with Max Scherzer 100% because think about it this way. Not every prospect is Wander Franco, who, by the way, got a nice contract during the offseason so far. Earlier this offseason, before the lockout, I think it was 11 year and like 180-something yeah, like 200 million for plus. another day, but he kind of screwed himself, but go on. Not really. No, I, I vehemently disagree. He got oh. – no, no. I'm talking Wander Franco. Yeah, I know. No, he, he, didn't, he didn't screw himself. Why, why did he screw himself? Because if he waited five years, he probably would have doubled his money. Wrong. Because – because, the Tampa Rays never, and I mean never, pay their prospects. Oh, oh and I'm not saying. And I, I and like and Wander Franco, despite how good he is, he wasn't going to be the exception rather than than the rule. He was going to be that guy. That if he did not get paid now, if the Rays did not attempt to lock him up now, they knew based on their own history. Think about think about guys like David Price. Think about guys like Evan Longoria. There, there was a reason why that they, they had to let them go in free agency because they couldn't afford to keep him. So they said, Fronter Franco, this guy is a stud. We're going to lock him up now through his prime years up to the age of 32. And then... Basically, when he gets to 32, we'll see, we'll see what happens to from there. To my point, I think it was a slam dunk by the Rays, but on Wander Franco's 
decision. I think I think he could have got a lot more money in five years by a different team. Obviously, he liked the Tampa Tampa Bay area, but you know he's what's he tax free? Yeah, what's he twenty years old? Yeah. So I mean, if I got offered a contract like that at twenty years old, I'd probably take it. But if I was going to talk to someone, and you know he's going to be. Um, a top, I mean, if not already, like a top five, you know, shortstop, third base, whatever. No question. Him. Yeah. No question. So I'm saying if if he waited five years, I'm saying the Rays, this is a slam dunk for the Rays. Like they never get a player that good for that long term. But for Wander Franco, he probably could have made double the money if, you know, he uh, waited five years and went to go play for your team, went to go play for my team. Mm. You know, I think he uh, I think it's a mistake there. You know, I guess at that point, you're just kind of it's apples and oranges when you're talking about that many million dollars. But for those guys, you his second contract's going to come at, thir- was it 32 years old? 30, 32, yeah. So we'll see what the production he has by, by the time he's that age, which it could be. Let it me t- won't be when he's Let 25. me tell you something. Yep. On top of the point you just made, yep. I want you to realize that in three years, mark my words, mm-hmm. within the next three years, what, what Wando Franco is making now, his production is easily going to make his contract look cheap. Easily. Because. Oh, I think it does because, already. Because, no, he's not there yet. He like he had a terrific rookie season. And I'm not I'm not downplaying Juan Franco's talents at all because the, it is truly off the charts. However, I don't think he's there yet, and only because you gotta see what he does in year two. How does the league adjust to him? Is he still gonna be able to produce? Now he plays in the most dominant division in baseball. Now baseball fans, we can have an argument what division is most dominant, but. If you're asking me right now, the most dominant division in baseball, the, the American League East. No question. Oh, no question. Like, no so, so, Wanda Franco, if he continues his production, or in fact, he gets even better in it, like the, within the next three years, that, that $200 plus million contract for the next 12 years is going to look minuscule in comparison to what, for example, Marcus Simeon got with the Texas Rangers or what Fernando Tessis got with the, with the San Diego Padres. Oh, my gosh. It's only. It's not a matter of. It was a matter of when. But I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was smart on his part to get the get the bag now, because he knows Tampa Bay is not going to be able to afford that contract halfway through. I'm willing to bank on that based on their own history. To the point of you saying he's not there yet. He was the best player in the series against the Red Sox on his team. Um, you know, dynamite numbers, definitely the most valuable player on their roster right now. I mean, Brandon Lau just choked in the playoffs, who was their probably Which best, was, best hitter all yeah, year. They're the best power hitter, but yeah. Yeah, and then and then you see Wander Franco. Time and time again, he was clutch in that series. Like, he had a big-time home run, and I, I, I forget what it's now. It's February, but it could have been yeah. like game four or whatever it was. But Wander Franco, I, I we're going to agree to disagree here because I thought he could, he could have got a bit bigger bag. And whenever his rookie contract's up, he could have gone somewhere else and made $20 more million than he was so I, I I do say see what you're saying and if it's me or you yeah I'm taking that bag all day but if you really sit back and think about it these guys this guy's making 40 plus million dollars a year now and that market's only going to go up as you know as time go out because mm-hmm. you, you seem to see it every single year since we've been living that every year there's always seems to be the new guy who's the highest paid player in the league oh no and that's, question that's gonna yeah that's gonna be a thing from years to come and it's gonna keep going and oh by the way yeah. it's gonna be a thing again once this lockout ends because don't forget Carlos Correa still get has gotten paid yet so he may very well shatter what Fernando Tatis is getting some team is gonna overpay I'm willing to bet horses money on that Who's this? I'm sorry. I didn't Carlos know. Correa. Oh, Carlos Correa. Oh, yeah. Someone is going to overpay for Carlos Correa. 
and, and he's gonna end up getting paid more than what Marcus Simeon got, more than what um Fernando Tatis got. That, the, it's Muhammad. all it's a matter it's a yeah. matter of where and when, because he knows this is the last contract. big mm-hmm. contract he's gonna get of his career. So he's trying to maximize value now. So to me. When I when you talk about one of Franker or Franco, excuse me, in terms of you should have waited a few more years, I see your point and where you're coming from. Not discrediting it whatsoever, yeah. but I also look at it from market value. Where does he play? Now, let's say that if one of Franco was playing somewhere, let's say Los Angeles or Boston or New York, whether the Yankees or man, doesn't matter. Yep, big market. He's getting more than the than the contract he just got with the Rays. Oh, yeah. So you talk about market value in terms of where where he plays, and as well as the team and the payroll and and the payroll of flexibility is currently constructed. He could have gotten he could have gotten more somewhere else uh, if he was playing a different not, market. Not to mention my last my last thing before we get on a different topic. Yeah. So he could he could have just sucked the money right out of Tampa. So what if they get worse? What if they're not getting these guys out of you know? The Triple uh, A's, the minor leagues of the world, and then all of a sudden their payroll is getting too high because they're paying this one player that much amount of money. So by the time, what's a twelve-year contract? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So e- either way, so you're talking about even year four, this team now doesn't have enough to pay anyone because they paid him as much as a big market team would pay a team like pay a guy forty million dollars. How is he going to react when this team's... 12 years, 223 yeah, million. when his team sucks in year four and he still has eight years on his deal. And then, oh, by the way, his contract is guaranteed for around $185 million. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying, if he did 12 years, and you're talking about $40 million a season, that could be $440 million. That's my point. And in three years from now, that number wouldn't even be shocking, considering what the highest players in baseball are making now. And not to like, mention, if I to my point exactly of year four, the team sucks. He's he's done with the Rays, and he gets a trade to you know a big market team like you mentioned. That's going to be an absolute steal. Question: for a big Do you think team. that they'll suck in four years? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I don't think so. With the way with the way that the Rays um, farm system is currently constructed, I don't think they're going to suck within the next five years. But, but like my point is, they're not going to be able to pay anyone to come back. So all those guys are going to leave, and they're going to have to really rely. And they don't have Heim Bloom anymore. But but but, but here's but, but here's what they've yeah. always have done well. Going back to the days of when Andrew Friedman was there, they'll trade their best players off, but they'll they'll get draft picks, they get prospects. I have not seen an organization in baseball with the sat with the not the salary cap, but the but the payroll as low as it is. Continue to excel at a high level despite trading away or allowing their best players to walk away in free agency. See, see Carl Crawford. See um, David Price. See Evan Longoria. See Blake Snell, most, most recent Snell. example. Mm-hmm. That's my point exactly. They'll trade all these stars away and they'll get draft picks and prospects and they'll still compete. They're still there year in and year out. There's something that Tampa Bay is doing right that the rest of baseball hasn't figured out yet. Not even Oakland has figured that out yet. I wish our guy Anton was here. He's on the steel Naz. He's a diehard Rays fan, so uh, mm. he would love this commentary. But we'll move on. So final 
final subject of baseball before we get onto the power play. Yeah. So I got this question. So player on the Red Sox or Yankees, you're looking forward to hopefully see play this year. I'll start with this. I think the hype has been, you know, since the Olymp- uh, the Olympics or whatever that was, you know, he's been unbelievable in the minor leagues. I think Tristan Cassis is going to be a slam dunk for the Red Sox. Seems to be a real power bat. And, you know, I, I know Bobby Dahlback had a decent year last year at first base. Still got a lot of development yeah, to do, but yeah. But there's an unbelievable upgrade, and it's going to be exciting to see whether, you know, he could possibly, as an underdog, make the team in April. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets called up later in the year when the playoffs are coming, if they're in contention. Uh, even, you know, with whether, you know, the dog days of the summer, you need a bat off the bench, he's there for you. I think it's going to be really exciting for that guy to see because I just don't know how he fails in the MLB. He seems like to be a slam dunk. seems like he's already faced, you know, certain competition of major league caliber. Uh, I'm really excited to see this guy because it's going to complete the uh, the de- the defense of you know the the lineup of the Boston Red Sox and it's going to make other guys you know exploitable for trade. I'm not going to say anyone in specific because I don't want anyone jumping off the wagon yet. But I- I'm just really excited about this guy. Bottom line, there's a couple of guys that comes to mind for me that I'm most excited to see play this year. Number one. I am curious to see what what Jason Dominguez, the Yankee prospect, yep. is going to do, because there's been a lot of lot of hype surrounding this kid now for 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 two years now. I believe he just turned 18, if I remember, if I remember correctly. And what I'm most curious to see is how does he develop physically, because we can sit here and talk about like the numbers he put up in the minor leagues and so forth. But I believe that physical maturation is a real thing when it comes to Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. You have to physically develop because you're playing 162 day games a season. So you're playing as a wear, wear and tear. Can your body hold up? Now, what I'm most curious to see is can he continue to produce at the higher levels like AAA? And, and if there's a spring training, there, there should be a, a spring training. But should he get the invite to Major League Camp, how does he perform? How does he do? And so forth. And then the second player, Aaron Judge. Now, for some people, it may seem like, oh, well, obviously, yeah, but no. But because when it comes to Aaron Judge, he is going to get that contract. The question is whether the Yankees give him that contract or will he get it elsewhere. So, is he on the last year of his deal? This is it. This is it? Wow. So what I'm most curious to see is how does he come – out in 2022 after having a, a pretty good 2021 season. So that's one. That's another player that I'm looking forward to watching in 2022. Good save there. Thank you. And we'll move on to our power play. I don't know if there's a background music, but da da <laughs> So we got a big Super Bowl on Sunday as the Bengals yeah. take on the Rams. I, I I said a whole bunch of I guess not nonsense. I think it was actually it was a good, nonsense. It no, was good. it was it wasn't gibber gabber. No no no. Last night <laughs> at, at, at our Steel and Naz recording, you know, the whole episode was based on the Super Bowl. Yeah. But uh, I, I'll let, I'll let you have the floor first. You know who wins this game and why? There's so many really good storylines surrounding the Bengals and the Rams going into this game. But I hate to be that guy, but I really, I really do want to see the Bengals win this one. Oh, there's no question. Because wanting to see them win, but will they win? I think they, I think they, they won't. Okay. The reason why I say that I, I don't think they will, but I want them to win, but I don't think they will, mm-hmm. is because I do think that the Rams are going to come out motivated 
ready to play, haven't learned the lessons that they learned from their loss of Super Bowl 53 to the Patriots, yep. and use that to their advantage. Because I've listened to quite a few of the Rams players talk this week in different interviews, and it sounds like a team that we remember three years ago. I think there's 10 players on the Rams currently that are still there from when that Sean, team. When, when Sean, when, when Sean, Sean McVay, McVay shed his pants against Bill Belichick basically, in the biggest game of his career. Yeah, yeah basically, and... They talk about utilizing those utilizing those lessons from 2018 to now, and I just get this feeling that this team is looking prime and ready to finally bring the Super Bowl to L.A. And I, I think they will win. Those fans? But, <laughs> man. Couldn't even fill up a high school the other day. I mean, I mean, they, they, they kind of did, but I just, thought they, they, I just thought it was hilarious how people took that picture and ran with it. I had a chance to watch some of the um, like some of the the rally yeah. that, that took place a little later in the evening. I mean, that place was packed. Yeah, but, I, but I was surprised, like really, at a high school field, like like you could you couldn't do this at Dodger Stadium or yeah. you couldn't do this at Angel Stadium. Like you picked a, a small venue like a high school football field to do this. Like that's what Twitter does. I don't. Just, I, I don't just run with that's, shit. That's, that's, yeah. that's what. Twitter, that's why Twitter Twitter's is successful. Awesome. It's, it's undefeated. It's it's awesome, but it's also accessible as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, for me, I think, um, you know, in this game, the Rams are trying to avenge their loss. They went all in. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting Vaughn Miller, OBJ. You know, trading their quarterback for Matt Stafford. And then you look at the other side here, a team that isn't even supposed to be there, playing yeah. with house money. Playing, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, they're playing with a born winner in Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, his he has a hell of a comeback story from you know Ohio State, probably the best year anyone in college football history as a quarterback put together with LSU there, winning that national championship. Yeah, and that's the best part about the whole thing because they're looking all at Joe Burrow and how dynamic this offense has, which makes their defense, who's played been so underrated made a big time interception in the very, divisional game very against, underrated. against Tennessee yeah. at the midfield to get a game winning field goal in McPherson and then you know they picked off and they made they dropped eight back in the second half against Pat Mahomes yeah. and they he, they really showed out and what they did they had an interception there they were the reason uh, Joe Burrow is the sexy name and he's a great player <laughs> and don't get me wrong like that but at the end of the day the defense is the reason why they they won both games and the reason why Now let me ask you this games. question would you prefer to have Joe Burrow's eyes or his swag? Um, that's, that's tough, man. I, I got to go with swag, but eyes are close, man. Eyes are close. <laughs> um, but but I, the, I think the writing is on the wall where yeah. when, whenever there's two teams in the Super Bowl and there's one playing with what the, the Rams have to win this game. The Rams have to. Do they have to? They have to. They put all their cards in. They, they're they would, all in. They now. really did. They, but they, you see. I am I'm rooting for the Bengals to win. Oh, that that's no I, question. I now, think you asked me, you asked me a straightforward question. Do I think that the Bengals will win? Who wins? Why? Yeah. And why? Yep. I think the Rams will win, but I'm rooting for the Bengals. Oh, that's the, why? Yeah. Because nothing entertains me more than seeing Los Angeles sports fans. Absolutely cry a city that doesn't really give a damn about it seems unless if it's the Dodgers or the Lakers just cry themselves to sleep. And then also Sean McVay owing to Aaron Donald owing to (laughs) Matthew Matthew Stafford owing one. Yeah. I mean it just it just sounds it just sounds very Felgery like you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like for sure. I know everything you mean. And I think 
uh, for this game in in general. I think what you're going the telling tale is how does how do the Rams come out? If the Rams come out and score 21 points in the first 20 minutes, okay, Rams by a billion. If it, if it's right away, not necessarily. You, you, I I, th- I think so. Go I, ask Kansas City. Let me know how that worked. I, I'm I'm telling you though that. Their front seven is way better than the Chiefs' front seven. It's just going to be really tough for them to come back. Fair on, on the contrary, if if it's a low-scoring ball game, if you know the Cincinnati defense is be able to keep them in, if somehow I I think you know it's going to be a tough night for Chase because Jalen Ramsey's a hell of a football player. Mm. So you, these guys like T. Higgins and. Um, Boyd there are going to have to have hell of a night, including Joe Mixon in the running back position. But I'm telling you right now, if it's a low-scoring game, look out for upset special and look out for a 55-yard field goal, 23-20, upset Cincinnati Bengals, who day stamp. Man, <laughs> that sound that sounded like a whole lot of like toss salad in the air and just and, and, and no and no salad dressing. Why, why, why bore me with the details, man? Like, if anything, listen, what do I want this Super Bowl? I want chaos. That's what I want to see. I want to see back and forth America's hearts pounding by the second, every incompletion, tip ball interception. You don't think Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl is chaos? I think that's absolutely I think that's, that's perfect chaos. But that, that was you my kidding? point. You kidding? That was my point. But, but, but yeah. see, here's the thing. Yeah. Now, now I'll throw you a wrench. Yep. Throw me a wrench. The ultimate chaos. Yep. Would be Aaron Donald getting an interception, a la James Harrison in Super Bowl in Super Bowl forty three, and steam rolling his way to the end zone and getting the Super Bowl MVP. Is that the salad dressing for you? Is that, oh, is that, that what you're totally is. Yeah. Hell yeah! What's your go to salad dressing? U- ultimately, man, I hate salad dressing. Funny okay, enough. Okay, good. I mean, I would just use that as an analogy, but if you want to ask me, what, I mean, no, what, what salad I mean, you, if you're a salad dressing type of person, I mean, by all means, I, d- I just find it to be very overrated and very uh, disgusting. Good, good stuff. Um, okay, so what else, what other we have to get on here? So you have the Rams. You got a final score? I got Rams winning it. Um, I think they're going to win up twenty eight to twenty three. Okay. I'm okay. kind of st- going close along. The the betting line, mm-hmm. I guess, like the the over under. So, yeah, I think it's gonna be over four, yeah, four and a half, yeah. Yep, that that's the spread, and then I think the is it forty eight and a half. I think we were talking about last night. I but I believe I know I know twenty four hours ago it was around it was around that number. Yeah, but, yeah. Either way, you, you see any prop bets you liked? Any anything like that? We can. <sighs> I don't know, but there is one that kind of popped in my mind. Oh, sort of. This is gonna sound silly as hell. No, it, we're being silly here, but. What's the over under on on the American anthem being sung? Ninety five seconds. <laughs> I was gonna go one hundred and twenty. Yeah, no, we we actually yeah I I'll leave the steel and ads for the steel and ads, but the lady who's singing it sings is a country singer who's very slow in ninety five seconds. That's a cakewalk. I'm hammering the over on that. Like. Yeah. <sighs> 120 sounds I'm I'm expecting it to be slow, emotional, like oh, yeah. it's the Super Bowl. I mean It's in LA, everyone's looking pretty. Of course. Yeah. I mean the glamour and the glitz. Yeah. It's, it's the it's the glamour and the glitz capital of the world. Like I mean let's not kid ourselves. For sure. Um my prop bet which I liked last night. Yeah. Uh so it's 14 to 1 odds for an octopus to be at the game. No. 
For so that's a big. De- <laughs> from what I heard last night, that's a big Detroit thing. That is. That's so, why I'm like Cincinnati. Well, what the, what the hell got, does that have to do yeah, with anything? You like, got Matt Stafford playing quarterback, and you got Eminem oh, at the halftime show. Yeah, that that is a, both Michiganites. Yeah, yep. and then also, which is also on the funny side of things, it's plus three hundred for Snoop Dogg to smoke a blunt while he's singing. I think that's pretty good. Oh, that, I that, think that's that, a lock. I think I think that's a pretty that's a lock. Yeah, I mean, this is California. We're talking about like. The most, like, probably the most liberal state in the country. And then on top of that, weed is legal. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, and who's like, going to say anything if Snoop Dogg is. Smoking? Exactly. So I was yeah. like, dude, you're doing your thing. Whatever. Yeah. It's like a part of him. Like, exactly. Yeah. Anything else, anything else we're covering tonight? I think, I think I'm kind of wrapped up. Um, that is just about it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm about to do a. <laughs> I just got shush on Twitter. Ooh, that's tough. So. Any, um, any big plans for the Super Bowl? Anything, anything I, fun? Right now, it looks like I might be watching it alone. I try to get the missus to to watch it with me. She doesn't seem that interested, which kind of makes me sad a little bit. But I, I'll have to like butter her up somehow, some way over the weekend. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, thanks for joining us tonight on the inaugural episode of Diamond Blades. Good shit tonight, brother. Good shit, man. You know, we hope you enjoyed the conversation, and want to thank Hedge Better and Justin for making this all possible. Hope everyone has a great time with Super Bowl festivities. And I hope that your phone does not die because it looks like it wants to die. Yeah, that happened like 20 minutes ago and I just let it ride. Yeah. As long as as we got it out. But uh, be safe out there, everyone. You know, celebrate accordingly and we'll see you next time.